Welcome back to the Society Case Files podcast. My name is Robert and I'll be your host. Today I want to follow up on the last podcast, which was talking about audio dramas, specifically how to cast them and write the screenplay or script, if you prefer, uh, and basically just how to go about working with your actors a little bit. So now that we've gotten through that, I want to talk about equipment and I want to talk about the software and just some of the semantics behind creating these these pieces. It's more complicated than I thought, but I think I finally got a really good workflow down. Now, most of what I've got to say would really benefit from a video. And rest assured, my plan is to create a course, basically, on how to do this. And it will involve... Uh, video footage and screen captures and actual motion and everything like that. In fact, I'm writing a specific audio drama that's really short so that I can turn that into a course and help folks get a visual understanding of what's going on. So really think of these podcasts as a primer to understanding the overall process and just to give you a good idea of where we're going. Uh, This is supplemental information to the to the course itself. So what we're going to start with is we're going to discuss the actual process of getting your information into the computer. Uh, At the very basic level, you need a digital audio workstation, DAW for short, and that could be anything from Adobe Audition to something more complex like Studio One or Cubase, Logic Pro X if you're on the Mac, Uh, You can spend pretty much anything you want on these tools. Uh, Audition is a monthly fee through Adobe. Um, There's some free ones. Basically, you can find them wherever you find audio equipment. And speaking of audio equipment, uh, that's the second half of this, is once you've got a piece of software to capture your information, you're going to need some equipment to put in your contribution. Now, If you're not doing any of the recording, if you're not going to be a character or you're not going to do any sort of supplemental stuff like that, you don't really need that part of the gear. You could pay all the actors and get their information and then do the arrangement yourself and not worry about having an actual microphone or an audio interface or any of that stuff because you've got what you need to create your your piece. But assuming that you're going to jump in and at least be a character, you're going to want a reasonably decent microphone. That means probably a brand name. I'm recording this podcast on a Blue Yeti right now. I will tell you that after listening to a lot of different people's quality when I was auditioning actors, the Blue Yeti actually is better than what some people are making their living on. And there's a whole bunch of other great options that I will include a link to in the description of this so that you could go and take a look. Depending on what kind of microphone you get, you're going to need an audio interface as well. And that's whether or not you get a microphone that is USB or a microphone that has XLR for its uh, output. Um, If you do the XLR option, you'll need an external interface that the microphone plugs into and then that goes into the computer so that they can interact. Um, as far as the differences, uh, generally speaking, 
the quality of a microphone is mostly considered better if it has the XLR. It's more professional. It's more high-end, that kind of thing. But again, I'm talking to you right now on a Blue Yeti, and it's a straight USB microphone. And quite honestly, I think that it is fine for what we're talking about. Uh, chances are good that in some cases you're not going to find people that even have this good of equipment who are willing to work with you at a reasonable price. Uh, that's not always true, but it's something to keep in mind. It also helps to understand this equipment so that when you're talking to them and you say, hey, what is it that you use to do your job? You can intelligently speak to them about it. So again, there's going to be some links down below in the description of the podcast today that will help you navigate uh, different microphones, different interfaces, and and just generally help you get started on that particular part of the journey. It's uh, it's a whole art form unto itself, getting the equipment and the gear and all that stuff. Um, but it's not insurmountable. And quite honestly, as far as audio dramas are concerned, the easiest part to research is finding equipment to do it because you could just look up podcast or audiobook. Any of those things are going to get you where you need to be. And I don't know if you've taken the time to go and listen to some fringe books on iTunes, not just like uh, independent authors either, but some some big named authors have some really terrible sounding audiobooks. And those are highly professional and selling a lot of copies. So keep that in mind. You still want to try and find some decent quality. So the next step is we're going to talk about the software. It's not just about organizing your dialogue into specific areas to make the conversation sound like it's really happening. It also is about the effects and cleaning up the audio and doing EQing and ensuring that the dialogue sounds like it where it is supposed to. So if your two characters are talking in a parking garage, you want to put a little subtle reverb on there that gives it that sense so that you have some some overhead echo, but not enough to where it cuts into the dialogue in such a way that it becomes difficult to understand. And that's kind of a an art form unto itself is figuring out how much effect is too much. And let's say someone sends you a fantastic performance but there's a problem with it. Maybe eight minutes into their amazing performance, they have a peak or they've got uh, some kind of weird pop that's not necessarily um, uh, peaking, but it's maybe their pop filter failed to uh, stop a plosive. There are software packages out there that are things you can rent or pay uh, for upfront that can actually fix some of these problems. Isotope makes an entire suite of software products that are absolutely amazing. And I use them all the time. I use them for mastering. I use them to do my mixing. I use them to enhance tracks to sort of make them fit better together so that they sound like they gel. And I use them mostly in music. But there are several tools within that suite that are designed for doing dialogue and, and that sort of thing. So it's something to look into if you've got the money and you're willing to learn because you're going to need to watch some videos to really understand what all of the different tools are doing. One of the best tools on there is this sort of 
pop removal sort of the like mouth sounds is it what it takes out so if the person has too much spit in their mouth and there there's this sort of like meaty sound I, I don't want to be disgusting but effectively it it sounds like needing meat and it will take that out you can actually get rid of it or if somebody recorded in an area that just had a little bit too much reverb because maybe the ceiling was too high or they didn't acoustically treat it you can actually trim out some of that it's not entirely magical like they 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 posit but it is damn close and i have saved some performances using the software it's very visual it looks great it's it's super easy to use you just you do have to take the time to learn so i'd highly recommend looking into them i'll put their link down below as well so those are a couple of software options when we talk about effects most of the digital audio workstations that you'll find are going to have all the effects you need. Maybe some reverb, maybe some delay, a modulator if you want to make someone's voice sound crazy, uh, the way I did at the end of The Lost Disciple. So those things are all available without needing to go out and buy more. Now, if you have a real specific vision in mind of what something should sound like, you might want to do some research and see if there's an effect out there that will do it. And by the way, there are thousands of free VST effects, things that you could just install and use, and they're just ready to go. So uh, keep that in mind, and uh, you'll be you'll be doing yourself a big favor because you don't really want to go out and spend a lot of money on effects unless you plan on using those effects over and over again. And when we're talking about super fringe stuff, like making a voice sound like a grumbly robot, that may not be something that we use all the time. Unless, I guess, you're doing a science fiction drama and you need it all the time. Then maybe, yes, you do want to spend. But if it's just like, hey, I got this fringe character, he's going to do this, try and find a free option. Save yourself some money. Because one of the most important things about art in these days is that you want to try and find the best return of your investment the more money you spend on the production the more you have to make to make it all worth it so if you spend a thousand dollars on actors and then seven hundred dollars on effects and five hundred dollars on sound effects and all this other stuff then you need to make a pretty substantial amount to turn it around that's why we use things like a task cam hand recorder to make a bunch of our own sound effects not only is it capable of grabbing things very specific to you and that you're able to make the sounds you need, but it also is the gift that keeps on giving. You can use it forever, and it's only a $100 uh, investment. So you could get a lot more sound effects out of it than, say, going and buying 10. You know, you've got as many as you want. Uh, I needed a very specific sound of someone landing from a jump for something. And I could not find it on the site that I subscribed to. I couldn't find anything sufficient. So I just set up the task cam on a little tripod, hit record, stood on a bench and jumped. Landed. It made the recorded effect. I did it three times. I picked my favorite one and it was perfect. It was exactly what I needed. I needed a sound of someone walking down a, a noisy hallway. I have a noisy hallway. <laughs> so I just set up the task cam on the shelf and walked and it had the appropriate Doppler effect of getting closer to it and then leaving it. It was perfect. It's just great. So that is a really key 
device to have in your repertoire, some kind of hand recorder. Um, I've talked about that one before, but it's really important. And that leads us to the construction of the drama. So it really does require you to come at it from multiple parts. You don't really want to try and do it all at once because that's boiling the ocean. So the way I do it is I first organize the dialogue. Now, there is a problem with this, and I'll get into that in a moment. But basically, I set up all of the speaking parts for my drama so that they are set up in proper conversational methods so that they have the right spacing and all that good stuff. And then I basically have it to where if someone were to listen to it, it would just be like an audiobook read by multiple people. Now, the problem with it is that if when you're doing your work later and you want to add sound effects, you're going to have to move pieces over in some cases in order to make room for those sound effects if they need to be by themselves. So, like, if someone's opening a car door and closing it and you don't want dialogue over that, you'll have to move the dialogue around a little bit. That's not that big of a deal when you have the ability to create folders or groups and that sort of thing. And that's a little bit more advanced stuff that I'll talk about in the video when I make that. But I just keep that in mind. But the reason that I do that step first of putting everybody together is then I can listen through and make notes on where my sound effects need to be and where my music cues need to be. And then I'll have effectively an incredible list that I could just follow. I could go and find those sound effects. I could top load that work and effectively have it all ready before I sit down to add it all. So I make notes with timestamps. So I'm like at eight minutes and 10 seconds, someone is going to get slapped and I need a slapping sound. So I write that down. And then at eight minutes and 30 seconds, someone's going to hit the ground. So I write that down and I try and put the details uh, as many details as I can. That person's going to fall on a hardwood floor that's old. So it's going to creak and it's going to make sound. So there needs to be impact and there needs to be the crunching sound of the wood complaining from their weight and all that good stuff. Now, when you make these lists, it makes it a lot easier to search for it. If you choose to subscribe to a site to get some of your sound effects, but it also makes it easier to go, where do I go for that? Do I have access to a place where I could record that sound myself? And if you're going to record one sound, try and find as many as you can that you could do at the same time to maximize your efficiency. Maybe in one location, you could get 10 or more sound effects out of it. And that would be great because then you're capable of saving yourself a bunch of time. Now, the next thing that I want to really emphasize is naming convention. Uh, one of the times I did it, I was lazy and I didn't rename anything. So I had a whole bunch of downloaded sound effects. I had some music downloaded. I had sound effects from my hand recorder and they were all just named willy nilly. Some of them had numbers at the beginning. Some had very descriptive titles and others were total gibberish. So when I would need my sound, I'd have to go through and listen to a whole bunch of sounds. And that's not just inefficient, but it kills your creative flow. 
So it's really important to top load a little bit of work and effectively change the names so that they make sense. Uh, high heels walking on concrete. Uh, sneakers on hardwood floor. Uh, facial slap. Gunshot. Sword striking stone, whatever the case may be, write it down and make the file name changes as well so that when you go in and you're doing it, you don't have to be like, uh, which one is it? Let me look. Let me scroll through. Let me just keep scrolling, scroll, scroll, scroll. Because, I mean, some of these are going to have a lot of sound effects. The Lost Disciple had over 100 tracks of audio. And on those tracks in several places, there were more than one sound effect per line. So I'd say there was probably five to 700 sound effects that I had to use in The Lost Disciple. And had I not renamed them all, that could have added hours upon hours of time to the creation of the drama itself. And that's just frustrating and it's daunting. And honestly, it's kind of crushing when you think about it when you're going to go out and do your work because you're like, oh my God, I'm going to go start doing sound effects and the first thing I'm going to do is scroll through dozens of them and and just suffer so you want to make it as fun as possible and as efficient as possible so rename everything i'm really laboring that point and that goes with dialogue as well so in my case i have a lot of voiceover to help kind of guide the story and that's that's how a lot of these work unless you're talking about big finish which really operates like you're watching a uh, doctor who episode with the tv screen off but the audio on so i'll do things like connie voiceover connie conversation nina conversation kyle conversation and that way i know the voiceover is its own track and it's not really going to have as many effects because that's sort of like it's talking to you in the exact same room and then the conversation parts can have effects based on where they're at. If they're in, a, like I said before, a parking garage or uh, outside in a creepy part of town or something or whatever the case may be. Um, I can then break it up a little bit easier because I know exactly where it is. And that goes for changing your track titles, too, within your DAW. So you've changed the, the file name so that it says connie voiceover now when you put it into your daw if it doesn't automatically change the track name to that you want to do that yourself change the name do as much organization as you can that you can tolerate that will help you visually and quickly understand what you're working with in my case i set colors so my sound effects are a specific color uh, my ambient sound effects are a different color my dialogue options are in, are a color uh, my voiceover options are a different color and that way i can just very quickly visually go oh i'm messing with the wrong track because the last thing you want to do is be moving things around and go oh man <laughs> i was meant to be moving down you know track 17 and i'm messing with track 12 and uh that could have been avoided if i would have just changed the color so Try and do those kinds of things. Give yourself as many uh, beneficial, top-loaded pieces of work as you can. Because the more you do at the beginning, the less you're going to have to do to clean up mistakes later. Because mistakes happen and they're rough. So we've talked about organizing your tracks in the DAW uh, for voices to ensure that you've got that going on. We've talked about taking notes 
we've talked about uh, musical cues. So the next thing I do is I generally do the music, but that's just me. You could do the next two parts of this in any order you want. I do the music next because for me, the, the music comes naturally, and I like the musical cues, and I like really working with that because it's going to help me to know what the music is doing when I come in for sound effects. In some cases, my music might be cooler than any sound effect I'll use, and I'll allow the music to compel that scene more than any Foley work. Uh, but some people might really enjoy getting in there and making those sound effects so that they're super visceral and really help the listener get into that moment and go, yes, that person really is walking down a leaf-covered sidewalk. That's awesome, and I love it. So whichever direction you want to go, it doesn't matter. Let's start with sound effects and talk about that. When it comes to moving around your sound effects, the first thing I do is I group up all of my um, dialogue because it's already set, and then I uh, collapse that group or folder, however your DAW works, so that it all looks like one track at the top. And then you can kind of ignore the distraction of the wave files being disparate here and there. Then I just start putting the sound effects where they go. You just create tracks and you just put them in there. You might have an ambient sound because maybe the characters are standing outside and there's like a, a breeze that's moving leaves around or there's cars in the distance. And you put that ambient sound in there so that it really does feel like they're outside. And you're like, yep, these characters are doing something and they're in a world and I can hear that. Uh, generally speaking, these get reduced in volume a lot. In some cases, my ambient sounds are at negative 20 to negative 30 uh, volume in my DAW. You can still hear them just fine, but they really do need to be very much background noise because the key here is that the dialogue is driving the story. And those are just coloring it to help generate the sense that they're outside or whatever. So keep that in mind too. Your sound effects don't need to be right in your face. Now, I was doing the first episode of Malevolence and Nina attacks someone and kills them. And I made that pretty loud. She says her piece, her final dialogue option, and then chaos happens. You hear someone groan, they get hit, you hear a hiss, you hear the person scream, there's crazy music going on, and you kind of hear the nasty sound of blood being sucked out of the victim, and then it fades into the next scene. And so when you're doing a really dramatic moment, it's okay to bring up the volumes and, and let that drive the story for a moment. Because people are here to use their imaginations a little bit, and you're prompting the imagination with sound, music, and dialogue. You're inviting them to fill in details that they're not watching because it isn't a visual form of storytelling anymore. It's all audio. So you're creating images in their mind and they're filling them out the rest of the way with their experiences and what they understand. So that's really what we want to do when it comes to sound effects. Now, how many sound effects you use is entirely up to you. Maybe you don't need as many. Maybe you need a lot. Uh, one of the first ones I did, I had sound effects all over the place. I came to realize that was a little overkill. 
that in some cases you do not need <laughs> there to be sound for every single action. In some cases, it's even distracting. Sometimes people will be like, wow, really? What is going on? This is almost sensory overload. You do not want to go there because then it becomes less fun for people. So simple is always better. Think what is the minimal amount I could put into this with my sound effects that will still get the idea across? Because if you layer too many on top of each other, then they'll all get lost, even if you start panning and moving them around. And, uh, yeah, the panning thing, that's a little bit more advanced, but uh, it is it is a feature that you could use to add more sounds to have them work out better. But... That doesn't really help if someone's listening on their laptop speakers and they don't have very good speakers on that thing. Or they're listening to a little mono speaker. Who knows? You kind of want to consider that the less you layer, the easier it will be to understand. So keep that in mind as well. Now let's move on to the musical part. Music can be really challenging because... There are a lot of notions on what it should be. Do you want to throw drums on? Well, drums are kind of rough because they're loud and distracting. Um, they can really cut into a scene. Now, I tried it. I gave this a shot with Malevolence Episode 2, and I threw some drums over a scene where Connie is talking on a voiceover. And i got to be honest, it literally did not work. So I just took that out, and I changed my drum pattern that I really liked to the very end for the final scene where nobody's talking uh, portion. Sort of the outro, if you will. The best bet I have found is that during dialogue scenes, simple music is totally fine. It can't be too raucous. It can't be a whole lot of notes. It's ambient. It's just there to sort of soothe you and move you through the scene with the character. Watch a movie and really pay attention to the music over dialogue. In some cases, there's no music at all. They just leave it off and allow you to listen to what the people are saying. And in some cases, there's something subtle, maybe a pad or a string sound or a piano plunking and just playing something really, you know, boring, like, you know, what you might hear at a restaurant where they're not even playing a real piece. They're just sort of playing scales or or subtle chords to kind of keep the mood calm in the restaurant and, you know, allow you to enjoy your meal or whatever. Now, in this case, you, even if you're going to keep it subtle, you want it to continue to drive the emotion. So if it's a sad scene, you should be playing something that sounds sad. If it's exciting and it's an action scene, then it, it can get a little bit more raucous. But whatever the case may be, it needs to be subtle. It needs to not overwhelm whatever's happening above it and it has to fit your setting and 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 all that stuff uh, when i say that that's that's a little bit more of a preference and the first thing i'm thinking of is the movie lady hawk where they've got this crazy disco soundtrack where the rest of the movie had it not been for that soundtrack would be pretty timeless but because they decided to use that style of instrumentation and that technique it it really does date the film and so me personally, I avoid that and I try and go a little bit more classic. But again, that's entirely up to you. Maybe you're going to do a cyberpunk thriller and you want it to sound like a 1990s goth club. That's totally fine. But if you do 
go that route and you want to use drums and all that, really think about how you're going to try and deaden it down enough to where the dialogue and the action and the real focus of the story is not going to be overwhelmed. Now, where do you get the music? Okay, let's say you're not a musician. There's plenty of royalty-free sites that you'll be able to find and get music and uh, download it and for your project. Uh, it is another expense, but if you're not a musician and you need sound, that's one way to do it. You can hire a musician, obviously. Uh, find somebody who's willing to produce the music for it. and Maybe they're a consummate professional when it comes to doing soundtrack-type stuff. And they'll know all of these techniques that I'm talking about, keeping it subtle, uh, finding the emotional resonance of the scene. But if you're going to work with a musician, you're going to have to direct them much the same way you would direct one of your actors. You're going to have to talk about the scenes, maybe write up a five-page manifesto <laughs> or just direction sheet and say, hey, this scene, I really am looking for something that's melancholy and just, you know, brutal to the to the heartstrings. I want to tear at them and then this scene i want it to be horrifying i really want scary think the ring or the conjuring or that kind of thing so consider how you're getting your music and if you're not going to just download it and go and hunt it down yourself uh, if you're going to hire someone you're going to want to tell them exactly what you're after because if you just let them go then it's going to be their vision and if it doesn't fit yours then you've wasted your time and theirs so be sure to really consider that and the final option is that if you are a musician then you probably want to do it yourself because you've got a vision and you know what you're doing so go at it from the perspective of what i've been talking about subtlety uh, conceptualize the scene really understand what you're doing semantically speaking how to do it when i'm doing my music i generally am doing it before i do the sound effects as i said before so I've got all the dialogue there, and I just start plunking. I listen through the whole piece, and I'm playing the piano, and I'm playing through with strings, or I'm like, ooh, this set, this scene would be amazing if I had a pipe organ. And so I load up a new sound, and I play with that as well. And then I listen back, and I'm like, was that too much? Is it too little? Do I need more? Do I need less? Would it benefit this scene to layer additional sounds on? What can I do to make this scene have the impact I'm after? Um, and once I've got it all recorded in there and it's in a MIDI format, I can then change the sounds. I'm like, ooh, that horn is just really harsh and it's blaring. And I can swap it out for a different horn. Or I can EQ it. Or I can somehow massage it to fit what I'm after, the, the visualized sound that I have in my head. And that's really where you want to be, is you want to get it to the point where you can start playing with those things. Maybe you're like, you know what, that's way too many notes. There's too much low end. I'm just going to get rid of all of those low notes I played and just leave the higher notes and then bring them down. Maybe I'm going to add a reverb to it to really give it an ethereal quality so that it sounds spooky and sad and, and that's how it's going to be. So that's basically how I go at my creation of music. And when, when I feel like I'm done, then I export those out so that they are just audio files, just like my dialogue. And then they're already set up and ready to go. And then I could come at it and do my sound effects. I've already talked about how to do it, basically. But now that I've got the music in place, I could be like, there's no reason to put a sound effect here because I'm doing a crescendo of music at that point. 
So if I added a sound effect, it'd probably be buried anyway. And it might be really hard to tell what it is. Especially if it's something like somebody falling on the ground. You could be like, well, was that an actual microphone having a problem? Or did someone fall? I don't, I don't know. So think about that. When you listen back to your product, really think, is that conveying what I wanted it to? Is that sound of this scraping? Is someone going to go, that's a chair? Or are they going to be like, wow, what is that horrible noise? <laughs> you know, ask these questions. Make notes as you listen back. And make changes. Don't be afraid to make changes. It's hard to do because you've created this thing and spent a lot of time on it. And so when you go back and you do your your edits and you're listening, you're like, oh, my goodness. If I remove that one part, I'm going to have to move everything over. And that just sounds nightmarish. There's a lot of awesome techniques with DAWs to ensure that such things are actually easier than you think. A great example is I was just doing Malevolence Episode 2, and we missed a line. There was an absolutely essential line that without it, <laughs> a scene didn't make a whole lot of sense, especially in, in Episode 4 down the line. So I had already done all of the dialogue. It was all set up. I did all the music. What I hadn't done was sound effects. So I got the line I was missing. And because I grouped everything up, I was able to clip everything at a specific point and move it over just enough to put the new line in. Um, I also found that at that moment, I was lucky and the music was so subtle. It was just playing like one or two notes. Uh, it faded at the right time that I could cut it and move it over as well. So there was just no music on that scene. There's going to be an ambient sound anyway because the character's in the car when it happens. And it just worked out. But you've got to not be afraid to make those changes in order to create what you're after. Uh, even if it means doing a lot of work. Now, that said, there is a point when perfection should take a back seat. If it's really awesome and the only person who's going to know that you didn't do a specific thing is you... Really think about whether or not you're going to spend three hours or however long it might take to fix something. If it's like 20 or 30 minutes, eh, that might be worth it. It might be. And you'll learn something from that. If it's going to be hours or an entire day or a complete restart, really consider. Is this change essential? How bad is it? Is it bad at all? Am I just being unnecessarily critical? Is there anything I could do differently, maybe add a sound effect or music that might help that mistake, if, if, if that's what we're talking about? Really consider these things. Ask a lot of questions of yourself. Write them down. Maybe don't answer them right when you come up with them. Think about it. Go watch a show or play a video game or read a book or do whatever it else you, it is you do. Even listen to another radio drama. And then come back to those questions later, maybe the next day, and go, okay, let's really be objective. Do I care about this question? Is this problem a real problem? Or was it just a problem because I was in hypercritical edit mode and it seemed like something to fix? Ask those questions and then decide, is it worth my time to fix? And if you're capable of being objective like that, then you're going to get a lot further with every form of art because... When you're doing a musical piece, when you're making a song, you have to really think, do I need another verse? 
is it really necessary to have three choruses at the end of the song? Maybe I could cut the third one and the song would actually be stronger for it because maybe then people would listen and go, ooh, I really want to hear that chorus again and listen to the song again. Ask these questions because while they may require you to do more work, they are the educational aspects of creation because they make you change things. They challenge your instincts a little bit and force you to bring some some skill into the mix and some objectivity. Because at its heart, creation starts with instinct and just sort of creative spark. You're just like, ah, I'm putting stuff down and it's crazy. And then we refine it later with editing and and uh, thought process. So anyway, that's pretty much all I've got to talk about without having a video to show you more information. Uh, that is definitely coming soon. Uh, but this was my primer for creating audio dramas and really discussing the options and the different types of things to think about when you go into it, whether it be casting your actors, creating your script, uh, doing music, finding sound effects, all that stuff. I mean, there's so much to it. There's just not a lot of information available to help you through the the process itself. Uh, it's probably because in many ways it's the same as recording a song, but longer. <laughs> so maybe people are like, oh, there's no reason to record about this. But when you start talking about putting sound effects in and all that stuff, it's it gets a lot more complicated than just writing a song. But I'd also like to point out that when I do this video, it doesn't only apply to audio dramas. You can use the same techniques for doing a video, an animation, for example. And I have done those as well. And they are so similar. It's, it's uncanny. And it makes it pretty easy. But I'm going to tell you, Premiere, when you're working with that and you have a video, it's a lot harder because now you're having to sync to motion. So when that person jumps off of the, the bench and makes the sound, you've got to line that up with their feet hitting the ground. Which... I guess in some ways it's actually both harder and easier because now you've got one more dimension to consider. Whereas with the audio drama, as long as it happens roughly when it's supposed to, uh, within a few seconds, it doesn't really matter and it's going to work out properly. But I really hope you enjoyed this quick series. Uh, it took a while to put together. I was learning as I was recording these. Uh, now I've really documented my process. And my short radio drama is almost done. Um, I'm almost done writing it. And once that's finished, I'll get the recording in there. And I'm going to go through and create a video for each step of the process that I've discussed. So that we can really deep dive how to create an audio drama. And by extension, how to apply sound effects and music and dialogue to animations or videos. Uh, effectively, it's not that much different. It's just a matter of syncing. So I think it's going to benefit a wide audience of folks who do content creation like this. And it was ultimately fun. I will tell you, there's there's a lot of frustration behind doing this kind of thing because you do encounter roadblocks and you have to overcome crazy obstacles. But in the end, I think it's very rewarding. 
I love The Lost Disciple. I think I did a great job. I have a lot of fun listening to it. And recording my parts was fun. And getting my actors in there was super fun. And I think you'll find a very similar sort of elation to it. And it's just rewarding. So, anyway... Thank you very much for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you liked what you heard and you want to hear more, please visit the website at www.societycasefiles.com. And if you'd like to support the project, visit www.ko-fi.com slash societycasefiles. If you are looking forward to the video and you really want to watch that, Keep an eye on those sites for the announcement of when they'll be available. Anyway, thanks again. Hope to see you next time. Have a great week.